So yeah, for the last talk of this class, um, seems like a good place to begin with to say what we've been doing this whole time. <laughs> so the name of this meditation, it's called Shamatha or Samatha meditation. Um, so this is still stillness meditation or unifying meditation or absorption meditation. So in Buddhism, they sometimes break it up into shamatha, uh, vipassana, and metta. Uh, metta is loving kindness, so it's using the love and sending love and well-being and things like this as kind of like a way in. Uh, shamatha or samadhi, if you will, it's a unification practice, and through loving kindness, you can all, your mind also then unifies eventually and goes in. But they use like the breath or they use maybe like a color or an elemental, like a visualization, different kind of ways to kind of bring the mind together to sink in. And Vipassana, it's more like discerning meditation. So it's more about kind of uh, going into the sensations of the body, going into, uh, yeah, different perceptions that arise and kind of breaking them apart, breaking them up, understanding the kind of, you know, I say like the word emptiness of things, um, but emptiness just meaning like there's nothing concrete there. Like if you feel pain in your leg and you kind of go into that pain, you'll feel maybe there's like actually like a heat and then a tingling and then a tightness and then a resistance to it. So it would feel like this one thing called pain, but that's only because you're resisting it. But if you actually went into it, you'd feel, oh, there's like tightness and heat and tingling and maybe you go into that heat but then you feel, oh, that heat's actually like a throbbing and it actually goes and kind of any one thing you kind of go into, which is the same in physics, I mean, it's the same in the physical world. If you use a microscope, the more you go into any object that looks solid, you see that it's made up of smaller bits. So it's kind of that process of just going into things and breaking them up and slowly realizing, oh, there is nothing solid to be found anywhere and ultimately that creates this great release because then you eventually realize oh my sense of self this person Seth here that I take so seriously and complete is actually also just all these bits put together in different ways and it's not there's not like one thing here that I am or that I'm being so kind of dismantling the egoic sense of self in that way right um, so but they all work together and I can even say that for me, practicing samadhi, this practice of just letting the mind drop and rest and still and unify, has broken through really deep levels of perception all by itself, broke through the sense of, you know, the body is here, the sense of thoughts. Uh, I am my thoughts. Nope, you're not your thoughts. I am my feelings. Nope, I am my perceptions. Nope, I am my beliefs. Nope, you know, well, I am at least separate than all of this other stuff. Nope. So, you know, broke through, broke through, broke through on the perceptual level. So even just practicing this is enough to really make deep realizations into the fabric of your own reality and your own existence. Um, one of the Buddha's disciples said to the Buddha, you are, you know, there's never been a Buddha greater than you. And the Buddha's like, that's a really bold statement. How can you say that? And, and in Buddhism, there's multiple Buddhas come, but there's a lot of time in between. Like a Buddha comes and there's the teachings and they're around for a while and then all the teachings die out and then everyone kind of forgets and then another Buddha comes however many thousands of years later and then it kind of comes back again. Um, and the disciple said to the Buddha, well, 
you know, imagine that I was sitting as like a gatekeeper and I was watching people go into the gate and there's this courtyard in that gate. Um, you know, I know that every single person that kind of comes in and out of there has been in the same courtyard. And I can say that all of them have, are equal. They're all in this place together. And kind of said that the quality of enlightenment is the same. That enlightenment is enlightenment is enlightenment. Freedom is freedom is freedom is freedom. That if you are fully released, you're everyone who's been released is released. And they're all kind of in the same place. And the Buddha kind of said, yes, it's just like that. That actually, you know, when you get that sense of freedom, when you get to that place of release, like that's what enlightenment means, right? So we're all heading to the same place. We all have our own different path to get there. But ultimately the destination, that really deep penetration into the fabric of our experiential reality is the kind of end goal for everybody eventually if you follow this path all the way till its end. Um, that it breaks through the sense of self on the deepest of levels, right? And it really just creates this openness and this freedom and this peace and this understanding. Because, you know, all of this stuff seems so real. And then when you take a step back, you're like, oh, okay, I guess all that stuff's not real, but this stuff is very real. But then you kind of take a step back from this stuff. And you're like, okay, this stuff isn't real either. But now my thoughts and my perceptions, that's the real part. But then the thoughts aren't there. And you're like, okay, but now my feelings and my awareness are real. And then you take a step back and you're like, okay, but at least my perception and this duality of like me and not me. And then that fades away. And it's kind of like each thing, it's almost like a distillation process of consciousness that it just keeps getting more and more subtle and refined. And so there's like really nothing left anymore. And it kind of is like, okay, I guess none of that stuff is elemental in my, set, in my state of being. And that's kind of this whole process of letting go is because the more you go in, and deeper and deeper and deeper, the more you just kind of keep dropping layers and shedding layers of, of perception. And then you realize, oh, none of that stuff is actually binding in any way. That's all disposable, disappearable. I don't know what word that would be, but they're not kind of essential to what this is, to who I am. All that stuff drops. And this is like these deep experiences of freedom that one can make through this practice. When you kind of get into it, and I've said before, it's like when again, on like a phone or on a computer, there's the hardware and the software. So a lot of this is just dealing with the software, the programming. So for instance, if you're sitting here and you get bored, right? Boredom is a program, right? That the ego is not being fed, right? It's like, I want to feel excited or interested, or I want to be doing something or learning something or getting somewhere or whatever. And it's like, I'm not getting fed egoically the way that I want to. So the ego just feels like, so what is this crap? Like, this is boring. Right? But boredom is like a crust that actually if you just stay with the boredom and be like, okay, then be bored. Why is boredom so painful and scary for people also, right? To sit with boredom. Okay, I'm bored. Sitting, bored, boring, 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 still bored, still bored. Oh man, boredom is so boring, right? Oh God, it just keeps going and going. Is there an end to boredom? I don't know, let's see. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, well, now boredom is interesting. Oh, and so am I still bored now? Or am I interested? I guess I'm a little bit interested to understand what is this boredom. But now I'm not bored anymore. Now I'm interested. Oh, you know. And it's kind of one of those things that oftentimes it's just this crust that you have to break through. And then that's when you can really drop in because there are no walls. They're all just perceptual limitations and beliefs. And again, like 
monk eight years, meditated every day, went on three-month retreats when I meditated crazy amounts of time, and you hit many le levels where you kind of hit this place and you're just there for a little bit, but it's almost like, uh, it almost feels like a little bit of like a maze or like a mystery, you know, like a, an escape room or something. Like you're in this room and you're like, okay, like I don't really know, and you're kind of there for a while and you like feel into it and you look around, but eventually you kind of realize, oh wait, this key fits in that door and then and that door opens up and now you're in a totally different room and it drops you into a deeper level and then a deeper level. And that process is just a, a continuation because you're learning about yourself, right? So um, in Buddhism, they say like in meditation, if, if kind of the meditation, it's the middle, like the balance, the places that you can kind of fall into, one, it's like restlessness, right? So your mind can be like restless. I'm sure that's a state we're all very familiar with, right? Overthinking restless. The other state is dullness, right? Boredom, dullness, tiredness, lethargy, kind of like blah energy, like, you know, it's, the mind's not engaged, right? Then there's lust that you could be trying to meditate, but then you're having sexual fantasies, right? Or you having sensual desires, like you're thinking about the ice cream outside, or like that you want to experience something sensually, because sensual feelings feel good, and they're exciting, and they're interesting. Or like your leg hurts, and there's not much going on, so it's just like an escape into like a fantasy, right? Um, there's ill will, right? So there's a lot of like, I've relived many arguments in my head, maybe some of you as well, that like that stuff comes up and it tries to play out, right? Or you're afraid or you're stressed or kind of whatever emotional things you're dealing with, they come up and they kind of want to be looked at and dealt with and reckoned with. Um, there's things like the past and the future that come up that, you know, the past wants to be re-examined or somehow reprocessed or dealt with. The future wants to be controlled and sorted and understood and... So there's all these different kind of things that come up and those are the things that pull you off in all these different directions. And of course, to each one, I would say there's like an antidote. Um, you know, the Buddha said, if you're feeling tired, then stand up and do walking meditation, splash some water on your face, um, look at the sun for a while, or even just imagine that there's light around you. So like reflect on light, which like wakes you up as we know when you're in bed and you turn on your iPhone and suddenly like, crap, I can't sleep anymore because I'm like, looking at this light. Um, for instance, right, if your mind is overactive, then like maybe start feeling the body a little bit more, start breathing a little bit slower. Also walking meditation brings your energy to your feet instead of in your head. Um, boredom also being more interested and engaged in the object, right? I think boredom also happens because we think we already know everything, right? You're sitting here and we feel like the, the mind feels like I already have all the information. And maybe you have to look closely and say, actually, that's not true. Really feel your breath coming in and out fully. Do you really know what it feels like to breathe? Are you really present right now? Yeah, because if you're really present in this moment, the moment is amazing. There's so much going on in each moment. Like, look at a little child. Little children are walking around. They're just like, whoa, every, whoa, my hand, whoa, everything's amazing, right? that as we get older, just for survival, we conceptualize things. This is my phone, this is my hat, this is my mom, this is my house. And we label things with concepts, which helps us get through our lives. But once you've labeled something and conceptualized it, you stop looking at it. Yeah, so I challenge you actually, next, you know, go home and next person you see, like your next loved one that you see, whether your kid or your partner or even just a close friend, and really just look at them. Don't just look and say like, oh, that's my partner. Oh, that's my kid. Or, oh, 
Like really just look at them and look deeper and deeper and you'll realize I haven't really looked at this person maybe ever or at least not in a long time and you'll see, wow, this person's actually different than I thought they were because I've been living just in my world of conceptual kind of boxes instead of really experiencing things again, right? It's a beautiful meditation with your loved ones to really drop in and look at them again and be like, wow, I actually see you. Jesus, how are you? Where have, I, where have we been? You know, we've just said, you come home, did you do your homework? Here's the dinner, here's this, you know. And you're just like, when's the last time? you just like on a very fundamental level, like as a being connecting to this other being, like, whoa, like, hey, you're actually alive in there too. We're actually alive together. This is amazing. Wow. You know, so there's a lot of cool stuff going on when we allow it and when we kind of invite that investigation and that interest in the curiosity, right? So bringing in curiosity, if we feel bored, that helps. Um, so there's all of these different kind of things that kind of come and they try to pull the meditation off. These are the programs running in the mind. Yeah, the ego, the things that try to keep things the way that they want them or keep looking for happiness somewhere else or think they know how the show should be run even though they keep messing up every time they do it. You know, um, and that also includes things that we received from our childhood which are feelings like you're not good enough, you can't do it, you need to be better, you need to do more. Uh, you know, if you fail, nobody will love you. Nobody loves you anyway, right? Whatever that kind of program is that we received, we've internalized that and we do it to ourselves, right? I tried to do this thing and my mom yelled at me, so now I yell at myself in my head to protect myself from having it done to me externally, thinking that I'm protecting myself, but I'm actually just reliving my trauma. That's like what trauma is about. You just keep reliving it and projecting it around you and internalizing the voices that were unhealthy. You know, and that's kind of what healing is about, is bringing love into those places, you know? Saying, I'm, I am good enough, I'm doing great. Finding a partner, finding people in your life that can feed you that. I even sometimes say to my girlfriend, like, tell me what you love about me. Like, I don't know. I grew up my whole life getting the message that I'm not good enough. What is it about me that makes you want to be around me? Ask your friends, why do you like me? Why am I your friend? Tell me, like, accept, invite, and ask for that. Ask for love and positivity and understand and be like, wow, that's beautiful, thank you. Oh my gosh, I guess I am an okay person, right? Um, things like that. And then also sometimes, you know, if you have those voices that are giving you a hard time, sometimes I kind of just, um, I did this with my father's voice in my head a lot, right? My father growing up was like very hard on me and very, you know. So whenever I hear my father coming up, I'm like, okay, like that's dad's voice again, you know? And I would just say, oh, you're right. Oh yes, you're right, you're so right. You're right. Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm so bad. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Cool. You know, and then it's done because it, it's almost like a Tai Chi move. Like if punch comes, instead of trying to like block the punch, you just take the punch and you see what direction it wants to go and you go, okay, let me help you in that direction. You know, so if that voice is like, yeah, you're doing it wrong. You're like, yeah, I know I'm doing it wrong. You're right. Oh, you're so right. You're right all the time. Okay. And then you're kind of like waiting. And it's like, what, now you're not gonna even try? You're like, yeah, you're right, I'm not even trying, wow, yeah. God, you're so right, you always see everything so, ah, yeah, I'm not even trying, Jeez, you're right, you know? And it's kind of one of those things that whatever that voice wants to say, be like, yeah, you're right, wow, you're so right, I'm so bad, I'm, so, I'm such a bad, yeah, I'm, I'm never doing it right, yeah, wow, you're right. You know, because that's all that voice wants, it's like, wants to be right, wants to tell you how bad you are, how good you are, and you're like, yeah, wow, thank, thank you for telling me, you know? What a good opinion that was. Thank you, Dad. You know, whatever. But um, on top of that, my teacher, Achim Brahm, he told me a story. 
and he calls it the story of the anger-eating demon. The story of the anger-eating demon. So a king came back to his palace one day and kind of came in and all the guards are running around like ants screaming and ching, ching, ching. The king says, what is going on? You know, I've just been out hunting and I come back and I see the palace is in disarray. And they say, oh, king, a, a demon has entered into your throne room and he's sitting in your throne and it's horrible because we're trying to get him out and we're attacking him. But it's the, it's the weirdest thing that we attack him and he just keeps getting bigger. And the king's like, well, let me see. And the king walks in and he sees this demon, he's kind of sitting there, he's like, you know, and all the knights are running and screaming and they're, you know, hitting it with swords and shooting arrows at it. And each time it gets hit, it kind of just like laughs and it kind of drools more and its eyes get bigger and its fangs get bigger and it grows and grows. And, you know, it was sitting in the chair and now it's too big for the chair and it's kind of like expanding up the wall. And the more they're yelling and fighting and more guards are coming in and the demon just keeps growing and and they kind of have power over everything. And the king kind of is watching this, of course, shocked, but... He's a wise king, of, you know, as kings are. Not kings for nothing, usually. Um, you know, unless they're in, like, England right now, right? But they have, like, something going on. And uh, he said, uh, guards, guards, guards. This is no way to treat a guest. Bring this demon some tea. And the demon's kind of like, huh? You know, he's like, no, like, takes up, like, the whole wall. Bring up some tea. Oh, demon, please, you are our guest. Please feel free. Stay here as long as you want. Oh, demon, we're so happy that you chose to visit us today. Sorry about my guards. They just, they're just dumb and blind, and they're used to just fighting everything that they don't understand or don't like. But I'm happy that you're here. Have some tea, please, and I would invite you. Stay for dinner. And as long as you're there and you have such big feet, how about a foot massage? We could have three guards on each toe massaging your feet. And as he's sending this kind of welcome invitation and kindness, the demon is looking at him, and then the demon kind of shrinks a little bit. And he's like, oh, demon, do you want some clothes? How about, we have the finest silk in the land here. Please come, let us in. Come, and we have this feast prepared, and it's so great. Oh, demon, we love you. Thank you for being here. Guards, we love you, demon. Thank you. You know, and then the demon, he shrinks, right? And he shrinks, and they, then the guards now get, oh, okay, yeah, and they come, demon, oh, would you like some flowers? Can we brush your little weird hair? Can we, can we help you? You know, and the more that they're giving this love and welcome, the demon's getting smaller and smaller and smaller until <laughs> disappears, gone. Yeah? And this is the story of the anger-eating demon. And then Achin Brahma then, you know, he looked around the room, and he's like, so, what are the anger-eating demons within you? Yeah? What are the things in yourself, in your life, that you're fighting? But the more you fight them, the more power you give them, and the stronger they get. What things are you fighting against, and you're feeding them with your anger, with your aversion, with your ill will? Yeah? And what's so bad about just welcoming things that come? Welcome disturbances. Welcome my leg pain. Welcome my boredom. Welcome the voices that are telling me I'm not good. you're not good enough. Oh, thank you. Please join me, degrading voice. Sit with me as long as you want. Oh, it's so nice to have you. I'm bored. Oh, boredom. Great. I've missed you, boredom. Enjoy. Come and sit with me, boredom. Oh, let's see how long we can be bored together. You know? What's so bad, really? And we'll often find that the more that we just welcome in fully and openly and lovingly whatever it is that's happening in our experience, the more it kind of just loses its power and it just fades off by itself. It's really not that bad. There's literally nothing that's really that bad. 
there's very few things out there that are that bad. Most of the stuff, it's really not that bad. The worst part is that we don't want it. The worst part is that we're pushing it away. And because we're pushing it away, it becomes this huge thing, this huge force that controls us, that works against us, a burden, a monster, a demon that's living inside of us. So it's, in a weird way, a little bit of uh, counterintuitive practice, right? Why would you want to welcome your worthlessness in? Yeah, you're, oh yeah, I'm worthless. God, I'm so worthless. I am the most worthless person in this room. I can't do anything right ever. <sighs> so as long as I'm worthless, then I guess I can just sit here and relax, right? Well, I'm so worthless, then I guess I can't do anything. Well, might as well then just meditate, you know, might as well. You know, it's like you can use those voices and play with them and get creative and say like, okay, like, fine, I'm terrible. Well, as long as I'm terrible and everyone hates me and I, nobody wants to be around me, then at least I can relax and not have to answer the phone because nobody wants to talk to me anyway. And then I might as well just enjoy being with myself, right? So it's like really just finding that way to just take it on and say, okay, you're right. Thank you. Nice. Thank you for coming. I love you. Well, I love you. You don't love me? Well, I love you. You know, and try that. You try that to somebody in your life. Try that to a bully. You know, I, I've tried that. I tried that to my dad when he was still around, and you know, he got angry at me. And I was like, "Well, what are you doing? I love you." And he's like, "Well, you know." And he tried to like still find a place to attack. And I'd be like, "But I, but I love you. But I'm happy you're here." And it just disarms people because they can't fight love. You're taking their sword and you're just sticking it in yourself. And you're like, "So no," you know. And it just they it doesn't work anymore. You can't fight someone who's just loving you. They just walk away, I guess, or transform. So it's a super powerful tool just to at least use in yourself. I mean, using it on other people, that's like an advanced step maybe, but maybe it's the other way. Maybe it's easier to love other people, but on yourself, that's the hard one, right? Um, so really, like whatever comes up in meditation, and this is very similar to what we were saying before about the thoughts, right? That when you're thinking and you were fighting your thoughts, before, right? Your thoughts were your demon. They're invading my mind. Get out of here, thoughts. Yeah, and that's like the average person who's not really so well educated on how to meditate. That's what they come in these classes with. I've, the amount of people that I've talked to that say, I try to push my thoughts away and it doesn't work. They're making their thoughts into their demons. They're trying to fight their thoughts and they don't understand why then their thoughts are getting louder and stronger. You know? If I tell you right now, don't think, don't have any thoughts. Yeah? Has anybody had a thought yet? No, I haven't had a thought. Oh, crap, that's a thought. <laughs> yeah? But what if I said to you, okay, think anything you want. Go ahead. You're free to think. Go ahead, think. Yeah? Sometimes when you give the mind permission, go ahead. I don't want to meditate. Just think. Come on. Let's think. The mind's like, uh, and it just sits there empty. And then you're like, okay, I want to meditate. Don't think. And the mind's like, oh, but there's this thing over here. Yeah? It's, it's crazy. It's like, a, it's like a child. It's completely opposite and backwards, and it does everything you don't want it to do. And that's why when we meditate, it's not about forcing or fighting for a result. It's about understanding the process. Yeah. Forcing and fighting will only get you more force and fight. If you fight the mind, you're giving it power. You're making it stronger against you. 
If you love the mind, you open up, you accept the mind, even your weaknesses, even the things you don't like about yourself normally or the things other people have told you that about you are not the best things. Yeah, but if you love yourself anyway, because that's really what trauma is. It's a place in you that wanted love and it got something else. And that pain is just being held in place. But if you could send love into that place where there's pain, it allows that to open up and move through and realize, oh, okay, that was an experience. Yeah, if I walked into this room the first day and one of you jumped out and was like, and I, oh my God, you know, then the next time I came in this room, I'd be like, oh my God, is that person there again? You know, and my shoulders would go up and I'd be afraid, you know, but if I did that every day, then I'd eventually I'd be walking around and my shoulders would be up in my ears because I'm like, you know, my body now is holding that feeling of being afraid of being attacked. And there's people like that. You'll see people walking around and their shoulders are up here all the time. Hey, how you, doing? you know, because they're in that protection mode. So often, I guess, when they were children or at some point, that it just became the way their body grew together and the way that their mind is. You know, and that's kind of how it works. But if on the same token, I was coming to the door... And I took a deep breath and I said, you know what, Seth? Yeah, that was scary. That was a really scary thing that happened to you when that person's scared. I'm sorry that happened and I love you and I'm here for you. And maybe I'd start crying outside the door and I'd kind of be like releasing that emotional energy and, you know, really just like how hard and scary that was for me and painful that was that I was scared. And all. But I love you and I'm here for you, you know, and, and that was then and now it's different and you know, you're fine. Everything's okay. And, you know, and then I'd walk into the room and it'd be fine. I'd be like, see, and you know, and that's kind of what healing trauma means, right? It's that you have to go through that and process it and let it out and be done with it. And, and that's really a part of this stuff too, right? So I'm not, you know, like a psychologist or a therapist or anything in that sense, but I know that that's simply what the mind does. That's the emotional body of the mind, how it holds on to certain emotional energies. And meditation, it's great because it allows you to just drop beyond, beneath all of that stuff and go straight in. But when you come back, those things are still there. And I believe I said that on the first day, even that meditation, it's yes, something to do in this room, but also something to take into your daily lives. Because what meditation is going to show you, for instance, when boredom comes up in meditation and you're like, well, I don't know what to do about this. Well, what happens in our daily lives when we feel bored? We pick up our phone, we eat, turn on the TV or the computer. We just act senselessly because we're just trying to get away from this feeling of boredom that we don't know what to do with, right? So meditation, it's like a training ground. It's how to isolate that interaction between you and boredom and just sit with it and say like, what's this about? What's going on? Why does boredom have power over me? Yeah, why does a feeling of like not being good enough or like you're doing it wrong or you should be doing harder, like that should, should, should voice. What is that? Why is that running my life? Why does that run the show? Where did that come from? Why do I put so much stock in that voice? Is that really what I think? Is it true? You should meditate more. Should I? Is that really the best thing? What if I just need to like lay on the couch and eat ice cream? Maybe that's the best thing for me. Do I really know that meditating is going to be like the most healing? Maybe I need to go outside. Maybe if I meditate, I'm just going to be miserable. But if I went and called a friend, I would feel better. Maybe that's what I actually need. Yeah, we'll often find that those should voices, they really take that absolute authority over us, the should. Notice that in yourself. When you should, you're, my friend from college, right, don't should all over yourself, he said to me. Yeah, what about when you're shooting yourself or you're shooting other people? 
should your kids, should your partners, should your parents, should yourself. That word, that word should, it's, it takes a very, it's like God coming down, should. Yeah, we don't know. We don't know anything. We have our opinions. We have educated guesses and assumptions. I assume that meditating is the best thing for you today. But maybe it's not, right? Oh, I shouldn't be eating ice cream. I don't know. Should you not? Well, my, my stomach hurts. Yeah, well, maybe you need to like eat ice cream and your stomach will hurt and then you'll learn and then you won't want it anymore. Maybe you need to go through that process of like having some discomfort to change your ways versus judging yourself, being hard on yourself, and then you just keep doing it out of guilt and shame. And that doesn't really change anything. And then you're even just twice as miserable. Yeah, so that's a really important one even, just that, that should voice. Really take that look at it, right? So one of the great teachers of our generation, um, Lama Yeshe, he has a book and it's called Being Your Own Therapist, or it's Being Your Own Psychologist or something. It's Being Your Own Therapist. But this is kind of what it's about, is that the more that you kind of work with these programs and these different voices and things running in your mind, the more you like your own therapist, you start seeing things and really looking at them more and more objectively and also more lovingly and with more space. And again, peace is the goal, right? So anything that's bringing you out of peace, that's like a good place to start. What is this thing and why? What's this about? What is this voice? What is this impulse? What is this feeling? What is this perception? What is this? I want to be happy. This thing's making me miserable. What are you? Thing, whatever you are. Let me look at you. Let me shine the light right on you and really look at you. Understand yourself. And oftentimes, just that enough, it allows you to say, wow, like, what am I doing? Why am I still carrying this thing around? This is from like when I was six. What is this? This is when my mom yelled at me for eating ice cream when I was trying to go to bed. And why am I doing that to myself? I'm like 50 years old and I'm still yelling at myself about eating ice cream. What's going on? Yeah, like we keep that stuff going. Right, so all of these programs, and the more, again, that we start to clear out these programs, we start to free up a lot of space in ourselves, and we also create new programs. Yeah, I can say for myself, like this is the most mentally healthy I've ever been in my entire life. And I can say that honestly, like I feel good, I am happy, like I am an example of a happy person. And I really mean that, and I was not always like that. And that is a direct result of my practice, of my work with my mind. And even right now, I started going to the gym every day. That's a part of it for me. And for many years, I sat around saying, I should be going to the gym, and I didn't, and I'd be miserable. And finally, I paid somebody to be like a fitness coach on Facebook to me and like kind of support me in that and had like a whole plan. So I just go and I look at the Facebook, like, what do I do today? And now I do it every day and I feel amazing. You know, and that's part of it also. It's saying, okay, this is what I need to feel good about myself. I want this. It's not that I should, I want it. You shouldn't meditate. But if you want to meditate, here's how I can support you. You shouldn't eat healthy, but if you want to eat healthy, here's what it looks like. Yeah, that if you do it from that place of wanting it, but it also sometimes looks like actually doing things in your life. I need to move, I need to get another partner, I need to change my thing, I need to clean my house. I want to do these things. These things would make me happy if I did them. What am I waiting for? What's going on? Why am I just distracting myself and putting up with good enough and just letting myself live in like a complacency or being even depressed, which like 
80% of like Americans seem to be. Like when I look around, a lot of people are just depressed. They feel disempowered, they feel unhappy, they don't know what they're doing, they're very self-destructive. A lot of people are like that, I don't know why. Yeah, a lot of people are on medication. A lot of people, a lot of kids are on medication. Yeah, a lot of people are on drugs, on alcohol, on TV, right? Netflix, phones, things, right? Eckhart Tolle says, you know, we experience pain in our consciousness and the spiritual path is that you work with your pain, you work through your pain, you understand your pain, you grow, you learn, you transform, you rise above it. What a lot of people are doing is that they're experiencing pain in their normal consciousness, so then they're trying to dull it out. Mm -hmm. They want to drink, they want to do drugs, they want to take medications, they want to watch TV, they want to distract themselves. They try to bring their mind, their consciousness down. They want to lower their vibration so they don't have to deal with that stuff. They want to numb and dull themselves out. Yeah, and that's not the way. That's a short-term solution that will just end in more of the same, and it makes it worse and worse and worse each time. You'll feel worse, you'll have less energy, you'll get more depressed, you'll feel more helpless, more confused. It compounds the problem, compounds the problem. Eventually, you just get sick anyway from that approach. Yeah, so there really is only one way, and you have to be a little bit brave. Yeah, to go through it. You have to be a little bit proactive. You have to take your life into your own hands. Yeah, you have to do it. And support, support is oftentimes necessary. I can say I would not be going to the gym if it wasn't for this kid who has a fitness program. Yeah, I needed support. There's a lot of things I do by myself. A lot of things, I'm, a, I'm an adult, I can do a lot by myself. I could not go to the gym by my, I don't know why. For whatever weird reason, that was my thing that I could not figure out how to do. And then I said, look, this kid's a fitness coach. How can I do it? And that's what I try to offer. Like I have the online thing, Facebook, the meditations, but also things like this. It's like, okay, this is the one area that I've mastered. How can I help people through my path? How can I get you guys out? Yeah. I meditate personally almost every day at the moment, oftentimes because I'm teaching. But when I meditate, I can drop in so quick and so deep that it's like when I was mon meditating at the monastery every day for like an hour in the mornings, nothing was really going on, you know? So it was kind of like just struggling and didn't make sense and all of this and only now I get it. So I can now drop in and my mind can feel great for a couple days in a row. Like I can really just wash things through and recharge like that whenever I need it. Yeah, so I personally don't feel like I need to meditate like I did in the monastery right now, like every day for like, uh, you know, because I can really drop in and do it. And then still, like, I take time for myself where I'll go on, like, a little retreat or I'll go on things where then I'm meditating for, like, some hours a day to really go deep and process things. Um, but my general upkeep actually comes through teaching. And that's a conscious thing that I did. It's, like, how to align my well-being with my purpose with helping other people, right? That was just kind of a thought. How can I make sure that I meditate every day and also support other people to meditate. So that's kind of my way of doing it, right? Bringing those things together. So, so it's, it's fitting that this is the last class, at least for this session, and some of you won't go on to the next one. Just to really bring up all of that as clearly as I can and just show you, right, that this is like, again, really what we're doing here. And again, everything I've just talked about, those are just the programs of the mind. Yeah. Once those are cleaned out, once those are working in your favor, once that stuff we're 
your desktop is clean, your phone is, the apps are closed, once all that stuff's free, then you drop into the structure of the mind. That's when things start disappearing, perceptions start fading away. Yeah, um, willpower, my teacher always said, willpower leaves, sense of self leaves, duality leaves. Yeah, all of these things that are so essential, so elemental to your experience of reality, yeah, of what this is, what every single day of your life since you were born have been, start fading away and disappearing. And you say, oh my God, it's not what I thought. Yeah, this happened actually when my father passed away um, a few months back. If, when a parent dies, it's suddenly like, it's just, it's crazy because this person has been there your whole life. This person has been a, a, a foundation of your reality. And when that person leaves, it's like, my God, it's, it's not like I thought. On some weird level, I thought they would always be there just because they've always been there. And when a parent's gone, it's like, oh, my God, or a friend or whatever. But it, especially for me, when a parent left, it was just like, wow, that's a thing that I thought was solid and real. And it's not. It was just a temporary thing. Yeah. And it gets even crazier when parts of yourself, your experiential world, start dropping off. It's like I can't put it into words how mind-blowing it is when things within your own mind that have always just been there disappear. It's insane. Yeah, there's no other word I can say. It's just, it's just jaw-dropping. What the heck? But as things drop away, the space that those things held become filled with peace and space and energy. You've maybe noticed that already in these meditations, right? You sit here, you're not talking to people, you're not on your phone, you don't have kids running around, you don't have all this stuff, right? So even just around us, there's this peace and space, right? And then you start to meditate and the you know, 10 seconds of every meditation round that we do that your mind is free of thinking and thoughts, you know, for those little moments of kind of just presence, you'll notice that the place that the thoughts had occupied is now just filled with space and kind of some peace. And your emotions that were maybe all over the place and all this, where those emotions were is just kind of this peace and the spaciousness and all that. And that's what happens. But the deeper it goes, the stronger that is because now you're getting into some really entrenched perceptions, really entrenched mental formations and beliefs, really entrenched energies that when they fade away for the first time ever, the, the water rushes in, that energy, that space rushes in. And that's why when I was meditating, I could sit for three hours, easy, just three hours, just easy. I'd open my eyes, look, well, three hours. I'd be looking at the clock and the minutes would just be ticking like seconds. I would just watch a clock and the minutes would be passing like this because I was just so deeply present and so deeply content that even time just kind of released itself from me. Yeah. And I know monks also that have sat for a week. There was a monk at the monastery that I was at. He was supposed to lead a meditation retreat for the Vietnamese community. Everybody came. He's like, welcome. He gave the talk. They did their opening meditation. Meditation. Still going, still going, 30 minutes, hour, hour and a half, two hours. The people are sitting there at the retreat, they're like opening their eyes, peeking, like, is the dude still there? Like, what's going on? Three hours, eventually the people kind of like get up, kind of like not sure, like leave slowly, slowly, people get out of the room. 
okay, they go like eat lunch, come back, the monk's still sitting there, they're like, okay, and they sit with the, they sit again, they meditate, again, kind of like, look, nothing, okay, uh, okay, we go outside, they came back, they had like a structure, so they were like, okay, we follow the structure, we guess. Monk's still there, sit with him, go to bed, wake up the next day, come down, monk's still sitting there. One week, seven days, the monk was sitting there. And on the last day that people are sitting there, and the monk takes a deep breath and he opens his eyes and looks around and he's like, oh God, sorry. You know, I just realized, oh God, I've just been gone for a week, like, just dropped out. Yeah, it happens. Really, and that happens, that's a thing. And I've heard stories of people that it's more than that. Maybe they're myths and legends, but people even in monasteries say, yeah, there's somebody in a room up there and they once a year come down and otherwise they're just in that room. Who knows? Yeah. Because the metabolism slows down almost to a stop. The breathing slows down almost to a stop. People have been taken to the morgue by their wives thinking that they were dead and they wake up in the body bag and they're just in deep meditation. But all the signs, the doctor checked them, nope, they're dead, their heart's no, nothing's, no signs, nothing. And then they come back and they're like, what the hell? I was just, I was, I was just meditating. Yeah. Right, so it's amazing how far this path can go. And I've, you know, it's like tip of the iceberg with these classes, I feel. You know, as much as like we've been working on stuff and processing stuff and oh my God, and we're trying so hard and we're working so hard and we're just getting these little pockets of peace, you know. That's how it begins. That's how it started for me. Again, I'm like now 15, you know, 16 years on the path. And I went full, you know, gung-ho into it. And I'm back from the other side a little bit, right? And I'm like, yeah, I sat for three hours, you know? Like, I never sat for a week, right? It keeps going. But just know that even if you just get a little bit more peace, right? Even if just a little bit of that voice, even if boredom, even if just different things aren't controlling you anymore, even if you have a little bit more patience with your family, a little more patience with yourself, a little more space, knowing this tool of meditation that you can just stop and breathe and let everything go for a minute, reset the mind, reset the emotions, reset your energy, and then come back into life. My God, I wish everybody knew that tool. So simple, so easy and natural and normal. Nobody teaches it, nobody knows it. You're in school, the kids get into class, okay, attendance, okay, listen up, okay, let's see the homework, okay, here's, you know, boom, 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 boom. Their whole lives, you're boom, 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 your whole life. And then you go to sleep, what happens? You dream, boom, 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 boom. You wake up, boom, boom, boom. It is nonstop. The days and nights pass relentlessly. It's day, night, next day, next day, next day, next day. This class is over today, yeah? Next thing you know, it's gonna be next year. It goes quick. Dum, 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 dum. People don't take that time, that space to just be present, just be here, breathe, reset, relax. Yeah, so even just learning that little piece, just that little tiny piece of knowing how to take three friggin' breaths in through the nose, out through the mouth, and relaxing, you're already a step ahead of like 99.9% .9 of people on this planet who don't know that, who don't know that you can just stop for a second. Yeah. And so that's kind of it. And you could take this as far as you want. You could take this as deep as you want. You'll definitely get out what you put in, like everything. 
Yeah, and that doesn't mean that if you meditate for three hours every day from now until the next time I see you, you're going to be a meditation master. Maybe you'll have three miserable hours every day of being stuck in your mind with your thoughts. Yeah, but know that that's part of your process. Yeah, and progress in meditation does not always look like you think it should. Yeah. Oftentimes you'll be practicing and practicing and practicing and you're just going to keep getting stuff you don't want to be getting. And I wanted peace. Why am I thinking of the time that I was slapped in the face by my mom when I was a kid? Why do I remember that fight that I had or that bully or that car accident or that time this person did this or when my money was stolen? Or, this isn't what I want to be doing. I don't want to be thinking of my groceries or my taxes or my workplace. or all the, You know, all this stuff's going to come up that you don't want. And remember that that's par for the course. That's you need that stuff. That's good stuff. That's showing you your mind. Your mind obsesses about things that it finds important. Yeah, why is that important? What do you want from that thought, from that story, from that belief, that perception? What is it that's so important that you take as so real? What is that about? What's going on? Right? Reflecting, reflecting, reflecting. Meditating, reflecting, reflecting. I reflect all day long. Yeah, maybe too much sometimes, but I reflect all day long. Everything that comes up, what is this? I want to understand it. I want to be free of it. Yeah, I don't want my mind to control me. I want to control the mind. I want the mind to come from a place of understanding, a place of benefit, of peace, of happiness, of joy, of helpfulness. Yeah, that's what I'm working towards. And it's up to everyone to find your own motivation, your own why, as they say. Right? What is your why? What do you want from this? And put in the time, the energy. Go for it. Figure yourself out. This is all that matters. And it doesn't have to be meditation necessarily, but, you know, this was my way of doing it. So, so yeah, after all this talk about meditation, maybe we should meditate. So this is the last meditation of this session. We'll meditate for about 20 minutes. So not a long meditation at all. And whatever it is from that whole talk, from this whole, whatever this was, six weeks of classes that you can take, that you can use any tools, bring them up, use them, see what you got. Go for it. And maybe you actually just need to give up. Maybe that's your way forward. Release. So sit in a way that you feel comfortable, you feel stable. However you want to end this series for yourself. Close your eyes, relax. Relax. 